Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of My JavaScript Story. This week, we're talking to Jamin Ferguson. Jamin, do you want to say hi? Hi, everybody. Now, it's funny because of all of our guests, I've probably met about 20% in person, and you're one of that 20%, right? Because yes. you used to live here in Utah. Yeah, I used to live in Utah for a couple of years, and I think we worked together for, I think, a matter of yeah. weeks, maybe. Um, at one point, I probably saw you at the the JavaScript uh, meetups there in Utah, yeah. too, when I was living there. Yeah, I kind of started getting into JavaScript about that time period. You mentioned that <clears throat> we had worked together at Rain. And the funny thing is, is that um, when I applied to Rain, somebody had told me they were looking for full-time Ruby people. <laughs> and so I went in for the interview. And at the end of the interview, they looked at me and they said, you know, this is a contract, right? <laughs> and I was trying to go freelance anyway. So I was like, of course I did. Nice. <laughs> and nice. Uh, anyway, so then they looked at me and I, I was totally green. I had no idea about freelancing at all. So look at me. It and seemed go, really good. We thought, I mean, honestly, I remember thinking this guy's an expert and everyone said, wow, we're really bringing in the big guns with this guy. I mean, everyone really thought you knew what you were doing. So you did it. You impressed everyone, at least at the beginning. I don't know how it turned yeah. out but, uh, in, in the end. It, the project turned out really well. Um, the, so the thing that was funny about it was that um, they, they brought me in. It was my first contract gig and... <laughs> When they asked me what rate I wanted, I told them 60 bucks an hour. Uh, is that a bit, it's a bit low, isn't it, really? Yeah, my next contract I did for over double that. <laughs> I figured, I figured. Because all oh, my, I wonder all they my, were so happy about you. Yeah, I'm sure. All of my contractor friends were like, oh, Chuck, <laughs> we need to talk. It seems, look, it seems when you're doing contract work, and I used to do, uh, um, you know, side work and things like mm -hmm. that. I don't do that anymore. I just, it's too, it's too draining for me with a day job. But oh, yeah. uh, it always seems like, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. I can charge this much and I can pay my bills. But then you forget about all the additional costs, yeah. the tax burden. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. Freelance work. I'm sure you could do another show about freelance work, honestly, but it's, uh, it's a whole different beast. Yeah, I could do a whole nother. In fact, I did. Free plug. Um, folks, we have a freelancing show. <laughs> nice. Go check it out. Seriously. Uh, we, we have terrific hosts on there. They do a terrific job. Um, and honestly, they'll keep you from making some mistakes that will cost you big money. So. But, uh, but I think uh, going back to rain a little bit, I think I, I, I'd like to kind of start there because that's when I really started getting serious about JavaScript. Um, do you, do you want to back up just for a second yeah. and let people know who you are? Oh, like where you work and yes, you know why wow. you're super famous and all that stuff. <laughs> I'm like zero famous. My name is Jamin Ferguson, and I have worked for the last five years as a UI engineer slash sort of JavaScript architect at PayPal. I previously is that where Kent works. Kent C. Dodds is yeah. one of my um, illustrious coworkers. We, uh, we 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 worked together the entire time uh, the three years he's been at PayPal. Uh, Next James time I Charles. see him, I'll say you said he was illustrious. Illustrious, yeah. <laughs> I don't actually know what that means, but it sounded fancy, and Kent's Kent's pretty fancy. So, um, yeah, he he's he's our my, probably my most uh, famous colleague that I have there. PayPal. So I work with Kent and James Charles, who some people might know in Utah. He used to work at Family Search, and Charles. Uh, James Charles. Oh, James yeah. Charles. Yep. So. He's, he's great. He, he gives talks and stuff. He's, you know, definitely not as much of a, uh, 
self promoter as Ken doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't get yeah. out there on Twitter and everything uh, as often, but uh, he he's great. And um, yeah, so I work at PayPal, work on JavaScript stuff there, both Node.js and and mostly React now. Though it used to be Backbone. Before that, you know, I had a number of jobs. Uh, I worked at a place called Odesk for a couple of years. And, bef- uh, and then um, in Utah, when I lived there, I worked at a startup called i.tv. And before mm-hmm. that, I worked at Rain for literally a couple of months. I got kind of burned out at that place pretty fast. But, um, you know, it was, it, th- that's a little bit about my career. So in terms of stuff, I, I give talks occasionally. I, I used to contribute to the ESLint project and was a big uh, linting fan until I sort of... That's what we had you on for. That was episode 162. Episode 162, yeah, on uh, JavaScript Jabber. So I used yeah. to I used to talk about linting a lot, and then I sort of got into like um, types and flow type, and and um, you know just a number of things sort of I would say dampened my enthusiasm about that. So lately, I've been focusing on you know work, and I haven't been contributing as much on open source, doing as many talks. So I am doing a talk in, in London in a couple of months about Gatsby. And the Jamstack and some of that stuff, which has kind of been a uh, something I'm really fascinated with. Well, if you want to dry run at any of those ideas, we have a React podcast as well. So, oh well, come on and just talk through one stop podcast shop. That's us. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, It has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. But, but yeah, getting, getting back, that, that's about it. I've been programming professionally for about 10 years now. I don't have a degree Though, I mean, when it comes to JavaScript, it's not like anyone's learning JavaScript in college, you know, these days anyway, right? So I... Heaven forbid they teach a modern language. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe they'll get there. Um, but Java course, might count, maybe, kind of. I don't know. I don't know. So I've, I, I, yeah, I'm self-taught. Um, but I started in programming as a um, more of a PHP and Perl developer. Mm-hmm. So in really kind of middle school and a little bit of high school i had some opportunities to learn Perl and php started putting together web pages is that how you got into programming yeah yeah i mean it's weird getting into programming is like this weird process because you sort of learn some stuff then you learn new stuff and it's you know for someone that's totally self-taught it's not like i was going to classes you know in middle school Mm -hmm. or whatever i just i'd see something and i'd want to learn it I'd, i'd kind of dabble with it a little bit and then sort of like forget about it for a year and come back and say, oh yeah, that programming thing. And so I kind of always had an interest in how technology worked. You know, there was, this was sort of before the original dot-com boom. So I just figured if I learned this stuff, I'd be rich. I don't know. I thought I'd be, be, uh, be some kind of millionaire or something. So I don't know. It didn't quite work out that way, but as a kid, I, I just, I, I, I was growing up in the Seattle area. There was a lot of talk of Microsoft and these big tech companies. So I, mm-hmm. and I had, um, 
I think I had a, a like a stepbrother uh, who we, he didn't live with me, but he's kind of stepbrother. He, he, he knew about the internet, like prodigy online. And, you know, I think his dad was maybe uh, not related to me, but his dad was a, like a, a programmer of some mm-hmm. kind from Microsoft. So I had some sense of it and, and got a little bit of encouragement from friends there. I remember I used to go to like the, the bookstore in Bellevue, Washington, Tower Books. It was right next to the record store that I used to hang out mm-hmm. a lot. And we would like, I would read those like teach yourself Java or teach yourself. I think it was Java and 21 days books. And I think I convinced my friend to like shove it in his backpack and run out the store because okay. it was expensive books. Like we couldn't afford oh, the books. Yeah. So I, I would, um, you know, I was a bit, a bit sketchier in those days. So I would like steal the programming books occasionally and like read them, but I didn't actually do anything. Like I just read about it and like learn it. And it wasn't really till probably more like high school that, um, I had a one or two programming classes and I would say like somehow ninth grade, I had this, uh, it's really interesting. There was like a web design class that I, that I was able to do. And somehow a friend of mine in there, we decided to start a web design company. We called it Seattle web design. This is like 1998, maybe 1999, wow. something like that. We're like literally in ninth grade. I mean, I don't know, 14 years old. We started this company, Seattle Web Design. We got the website, seattlewebdesign.net. I mean, it's a good name, honestly, for, for totally being like super basic. I knew like a little bit of Photoshop, a little bit of HTML. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a couple contracts, like $300 web pages that we build for, for people like the local Little League and like a couple places like that. But I ended up moving away halfway through that year. And, and so again, I was probably using like front page to build that stuff. I mean, I, I didn't know what I was doing, right. But you know, I was just learning and picking up things little by little later. I was in, um, a different high school, Auburn, Washington, and they were, they were teaching Perl. I mean, I don't know what kind of high school is teaching Perl programming, but they were teaching Perl. We ended up making some interesting, um, projects, you know, reading the dictionary and doing things with the words. And so I got, I got sort of into programming just by picking up books, learning things, reading this and that, taking a few, you know, classes in high school, got exposed to it. Mm-hmm. But really my, my jump to, 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 um, to like learning it properly was, was when I was working in tech support. I was, I was like a senior in high school, started working in tech support for this web hosting company. And they said, Oh, if you want to, you know, we want everyone to learn how our web hosting platform works. It's called Host Pro or V Servers or something. They, mm-hmm. they kind of changed names a few times. They said, "Go ahead and build a website." So I decided to build a website. And at, at the time, I, I was really into the punk rock music scene in Seattle and um, punk and hardcore music scene. So I started this website, NorthwestHardcore.com, and it was for mm-hmm. like the bands and stuff in that music scene. And um, you know, that's kind of how I learned. I I created it so like a SQL database and I, I had it originally in Perl and then in PHP, people could post shows that are coming up. And I love that. You know, you know what I mean? Like people yeah. could post uh, their, uh, their MP3s, which were like new at the time. Mm-hmm. And there was no like MySpace or um, SoundCloud or anything like that. So we had like the ability to upload pictures and files. So it really came about as there was this kind of need in that community that, for, for, you know, how are you going to find out about upcoming concerts and how are you going to find out about these things? And the internet was sort of this like, oh, I know I can use this. And, you know, ended up being a cool place for a couple of years for, for that particular music community in mm-hmm. Seattle area to, 
to you know collaborate and ended up having like a PHP bulletin board added on there. So all these things kind of, it, sorry, there's like a really long answer to how did you learn programming, but it's a, it's a slow process. So I sort of learned over, you know, a number of years. And, and so, but doing that website kind of through the end of high school, sort of while I was in college studying environmental planning and stuff like that, I was able to, to learn enough of the basics that later I was able to get a job in programming uh, PHP without too much trouble. Yeah, I think it's interesting. A lot of folks, they come in and they're like, I don't have a degree or, you know, I've worked 10 years in some other field or something yeah. like that. And I mean, they're, they're looking for the way in and, oh, well, I can't afford a boot camp or I can't afford to take the time off for a boot yeah. camp. And I mean, you know, you, you did it and you did it the way that, that they need to do it. And that yeah. is you get in, you find a project, you learn some technology, you figure it out. And eventually you'll get good enough. Somebody will hire you. Side projects are huge. I think there are ways that if people are, I don't know, knowledgeable enough there, they can, they can jumpstart the system. I mean, I, it took me like you could say 10 years to learn programming. I started when I was young, but it, it was a long time of sort of reading things, observing things, yeah. trying things out. But if someone is really smart and focused, they can kind of jumpstart that through a boot camp or through, you know, contributing on GitHub to the right types of projects. I mean, yeah. there are ways they can jumpstart it, but for someone that's kind of curious, I think working on a side project, you know, building, build a website for your, you know, literally I used to have a website for my mom's art projects. It was uh -huh. called sandysart.com. And it was just like her art stuff. These little projects, these little side projects were a great way for me to try new things and learn how, how stuff worked. Um, mm -hmm. And I think GitHub of course makes that whole process even easier now you can see look at all the projects out there they they even say like hey i need help and and that works that works really well so there's there's a ton of ways that new people interested in programming can get started but for me side projects kind of look working on things that are relevant to me and my community were were a great way to start well it's funny because um i'm, I'm a lot the same way uh, i actually have a degree in computer engineering but i i've been playing with stuff before and after yeah. college um but for me, it I'm literally like three, two, one side project because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'll, I'll pull up a course or I'll go sit in a boot camp or something and, and I'll sit through a day's worth of boot camp. But the second half of the boot camp, I'm screwing around with crap, right? Yeah, because you're curious, right? And, and, you're, learn, yeah. and, and, you're, and yeah. you're always trying to learn new things. And so for me, a formal education is not the way that I learn. Like I... Right. I, I was diagnosed ADHD as a kid. My brain is all over the place. I couldn't sit through classes. I got bad grades in school. The thought of me taking computer science in school, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to do this. Like, I don't right. like it. I don't want to deal with math. I don't want to do computer stuff. Like, I don't want to sit down. I mean, it was just kind of this whole thing in my head. It just didn't seem like something I'd be interested in. And it was only sort of necessity later. I mean, I went to school. I did environmental stuff. I'm learning about sustainability and global warming and all this stuff. And then I was like, hey, I need a job. And then I was like, oh, apparently, like being like talking about environmental issues is not like a lucrative career at all. <laughs> so, so I sort of realized at that point, um, and this is, I, I basically, to, to simplify this, I, I graduated with a degree in community environmental planning from University of Washington. Mm -hmm. I ended up serving a mission with a church and then came back, uh, tried doing grad school at BYU. Uh, did, did about a month and a half of Masters of Public Policy at BYU. And I was like, 
hating my life so hard. First of all, I was going to say, that sounds excruciating. I know it's some people's bag of tea, but when it comes to structure, that's not me. And that's like structure to learn structure. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, it was so rigid. And I can't, you know, the program I was in at university of Washington was like a, it's like all like hippies and like talking right. about whatever. And there's no grades even. It's just like, I mean, it's totally chill. So then like at BYU, it's so strict and it's all like economics and math. And I was like, forget this, you know? So kind of, I, I had to, I was sort of in this position where I'm like, well, I thought I was going to go into environmental stuff, maybe do environmental policy quickly, very quickly into my master's degree. I realized there's just no chance of that happening. And so I'm like, do I have another skill? Like maybe I could get a job somehow. And that's where I'm like, well, I guess I can program <laughs> yep. uh, because I've always been doing that on the side. And I had, you know, part-time jobs here and there updating websites or doing things like that. But that's kind of when I um, got my first job at this place called Markitecture in Utah, kind of a PHP. They wanted a PHP Perl kind of developer. I had some experience there. I mean, very little it was using the cake PHP framework. And so right. that's kind of how I got into getting up. My first programming job was I dropped mm-hmm. out of grad school, had no life plan was like, I have to work I'm about to get married. I need to do something. Yeah. And, um, you know, found this job doing PHP development, somehow convinced them to hire me. And really there's when I was first exposed to jQuery and, um, that got me excited about JavaScript. Really. That was, that was the, the first time that I kind of was like, Ooh, this JavaScript thing's cool. Yep. I hear that. And, and it's funny too, because, um, and I'm just going to highlight this and then we'll move on. My degree incidentally is also from uh, BYU and I served a mission as well in Italy. Um, so we, we do kind of have some things in common here, but um, you just have to get that one job, right? You get that yeah. one job, you get that one person to hire you and then you can parlay your way into all kinds of other things. Absolutely. I, I can't emphasize this enough. It's do what it takes to get in the first, it doesn't matter if it's a bad job, a poorly paying job. I mean, this job, yeah. It was basically like a, for a few months and then start looking this job that I got this market architecture. It's like a, a I mean, I don't want to it's a horrible place. I mean, they, they were building these like basically um, pop-up ads. They were trying to scam <laughs> people into buying stuff. Oh, I and mean, it was man. like, they had this, they literally had a thing called Google rags to riches where they're, they're it's supposed to be like an SEO kind of company. I mean, I don't want to mm-hmm. diss them. They were doing about half their stuff was legit and half their stuff was like totally ridiculous. And, um, and yeah, it wasn't great. Like it wasn't the coolest job. The pay was like, you know, for a programmer, it was pretty low, but, um, it was also an amazing opportunity for me to, to learn, you know, how to work in a real environment. That's where I learned first, uh, subversion and then get, and kind of broke my teeth on a lot of the foundational things that would become important to me throughout my career. Yep. hundred percent. That makes a ton of sense. All right. So, um, you, you kind of mentioned rain. That was where you wanted to start initially and you were yeah, getting I, into JavaScript. I, I, start, I, I changed my mind on that, thinking about this a little bit harder because it was architecture where I, where I first was exposed to jQuery. Right. And, and, and I was no good at JavaScript or anything like that, but we started building more interactive UIs. And what I realized is that we needed to use these jQuery widgets. And so we go to jQuery UI, download the date mm-hmm. picker and these sorts of things. And so, <laughs> What, what that was my happened? life. Yeah, exactly. You go down and there was like 50 options to set it yep. up, like so many different things. But the interesting part for me was this. My coworkers didn't want to learn that stuff very much. And so 
what I found to be successful in my career, and I've recently blogged about this too, um, if you want to check that out on my Medium page, is if you learn something that your coworkers don't want to learn, uh, you will be very, it gives you a lot of value. So my coworkers yeah. were very good at doing SQL queries and PHP and server kind of development stuff and, and really scalable, building more scalable systems. And they were like thinking the UI was silly and in a lot of ways. And so I was like, well, let me be good at that. And so after like a year and a half of this, my first, my first programming job, I became kind of the jQuery expert. And so mm -hmm. I wasn't actually good at JavaScript or anything, but I understood jQuery well. And I know people say, you've got to learn the fundamentals. Eh, whatever. Just learn something and get you good at it. You can answer their questions and solve their problems. Yeah, I could answer <laughs> their questions and solve their problems. So I became very useful. Yep. And, and knowing jQuery well was a good transition for me to get hired at Rain, which is doing a lot more interactive type yeah. of, of things. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Hey, guys, let me tell you about Clubhouse. I swear, I've used every project management software there is out there, and I hated project management software. Now I have Clubhouse. Overall, it's simple and straightforward to use, but it has enough of the integrations and power features you need to get the job done without getting confusing. This means that I can use it, and the non-technical members of my team can figure out what they need from it. It also makes it easy for me to zoom out and see what's going on overall before zooming back in and specifying more work that needs to be done or picking the next task for me to tackle. They integrate with all the systems that you'd expect and have a REST API for, well, the REST. If you go to https clubhouse.io slash jsstory, you can get two months free instead of the standard 14-day trial for any team size. Once again, that's https clubhouse.io slash jsstory. So what was it then that transitioned, that got you excited about uh, JavaScript? Because, I mean, it's one thing to be like, this is my turf. I can be an expert here, you know, I can own this and I, I, you know, as I gain more expertise, I gain more value, but that's not the same thing as loving the technology, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is what happened. That was where it started. I got you, I got good at jQuery and I figured mm -hmm. out how to be a jQuery person. Let's put it yeah. that way. Understanding the, the, the quirkiness of, the, of jQuery. Then at rain, you know, the next place I worked and I was only there for, you know, 10 months or so we were working a lot more high profile projects. I was working on some larger scale things and it was, it was back in and front end, you know, full stack it was PHP and then, you know, whatever HTML and stuff and, and JavaScript on the front end. But as I was, as I was building more, more interactive stuff, I started realizing that, Hey, this, this JavaScript thing is, is really important part of this. And, and, you know, initially myself and most people, I don't think took it very seriously. And we sort of realized this is up and coming. And the big, the big change there was around this time, it's about 2010, the HTML5 was, the, was all the rage. And mm -hmm. so everyone at Rain was like a Flash developer and they were all super good <laughs> at that. Or Flex, I don't know what all that stuff is, but they were doing uh -huh. the Adobe stuff and they were really good at it. And uh, there were also, you know, also just some rumblings about getting into native apps, but there weren't a lot of people that were doing uh, JavaScript and HTML5 and you know, also mobile web was, was, was the, just starting to be a thing. And a lot of folks were looking at native mobile, but I was like, well, let me take on JavaScript and HTML5 and mobile web and let that be my thing. And mm -hmm. so that's when I started you know, having some fun. I made some HTML5 games. I have this fish game where you can, you, you can move your finger around on the phone and nice. the fish come and you could eat the fish or the shark or whatever. I mean, just, just I, started, I started experimenting with this and I, I really got excited about all the things that, that someone could do with JavaScript. And, and it, kind of, it kind of got me pumped. And then 
really, I, I would say I started, I started reading books. And that, that was the thing. When I was at, at just starting my career, I wasn't like obsessed with it. I wouldn't go home. Like after work, I was like, I'm done. Goodbye. You know, I'm, I have a baby and everything. I wasn't thinking about work. And it was around the time towards the end of my career at Rain when, when HTML5 was just, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about all the new browser things that you could do and, and how to build interactive things. And I, I started um, reading, you know, JavaScript, the good parts and HTML5 for web designers, mm -hmm. uh, CSS3, I, I don't know, the book from um, A Book Apart and, and some of these, right. these things. And I was just really trying to soak up all of this, this new technologies, these new web technologies and, and, and really embrace them. And I also started another thing that, that happened during this time, <coughs> excuse me, was I started participating in meetups. And so I'd go to uh, the, the meetup that was there for, um, I don't, I don't know. What is it called? Utah JS? Yeah. Utah JS. Yeah, Utah JS is the one that survived. There were two groups. They sort of friendly merged and yeah. Utah JS is what we wound up with. The so Utah I, JS, I started going there like Merrick Christensen and, yep. and, and uh, Kip and some of these folks, AJ, I mean, yep. all those people and, and would start hanging out there before it was dope. It was whatever that thing was uh, before Domo. I think we'd meet there somewhere. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I started sharing some of the stuff I was working on, sharing about you know mobile web and sharing some of the technologies. And so I got excited about it there. And one of my, my first kind of claims to fame for me personally, a huge milestone is I was at Rain. We got in contacted by some, it was like YouTube had this really cool interactive like html5 video javascript thing that was like a um what's that called like the mousetrap thing where like you have like a um like a a, a ball that rolls and it knocks over a thing a um a rube goldberg machine rube goldberg machine it's this interactive rube goldberg machine thing with video and use javascript to to, to uh, patch all these videos here but there's a bug in it and i remember going through like the source code of this thing for youtube and at the time i was like pretty junior engineer and i was like wow this is for youtube like how can i you know, how could I even have anything to add to this? But there was a, there were some problems with it. And I was able to look through the source code and, and discover the bug. And I remember for me, that was a hugely, a huge point where I felt like, wow, I must be really learning this stuff. I was able to discover a bug in something that Google made because, you know, they're obviously so smart or whatever. So mm -hmm. it was really, I think it may have been even the minified source code that I had to look through, you know, it was pretty rough, but I remember finding what was wrong uh, being able to fix it. And that was a, that was a huge moment for me. And another pivotal moment, I think in my JavaScript uh, career was, was, you know, I got on Twitter, that agency really encouraged people to get on Twitter to see the trends and upcoming technology. And I remember when Node.js came out and I remember telling uh, my coworker, Nate Ross, like, Oh, like, this is so cool. What if you could like query the Dom, like jQuery, but in the, on the server. And, you know, somehow I just, I was so right overwhelmed uh, with Node.js coming out. So shortly after I heard about it, uh, at the end of 2010, I, I left there to go to i.tv to work full-time on Node. Because at that point, I was just so into JavaScript. I wanted to work on it full-time. I was ready to, to leave PHP behind. Didn't Jameson Dance work there? Yeah, right after I left, I think he, he worked there. Yeah, Utah is a funny place because there's a, you know, it seems yeah. like everyone knows each other. It's, it's a really tight-knit community. Yeah, well, I'm asking in particular about him because he was a longtime panelist on JavaScript Jabber. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People yeah. might be interested just to kind of see 
how, yes. how the flow how, how it all uh, all connects yeah. yeah sean hess was the um i don't know if people know him but he he was kind of the i don't know vp of technology or whatever it was it was it was a fun little startup it was there for about a year but it was it was it was you know full-time this is node 0.2 so it's really old node.js <laughs> production <laughs> initially they wrote the whole thing in coffee script like a super early coffee script and then you know, I came there and I'd been reading like JavaScript, the good part. So I was demanding that everyone use semicolons all over the place and being really, you know, kind of pedantic about stuff because I, you know, the funny thing is you do something for like six months and if no one else is doing it, you feel like you're the expert, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I just happened to know slightly more than my peers did. Um, and so I think I had a lot of wrongheaded ideas in those days because I, I didn't have a lot of experience, but because I knew just a little bit more than others, people were kind of starting to listen to me, unfortunately. Um, but, but I will say that was, that was a great place to learn, to really get deep into, into Node, to use it from the early days, you know, learn about all these new technologies um, and, 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 and really, I don't know, just, just, just embrace JavaScript. I went to JSConf um, around that time too, which is, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's funny because I discounted Node initially because there was like Rhino and a couple of others. And I was like, what makes this so special? And then <laughs> yes. it started taking off and I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> but yeah. No, it's been an interesting one. I mean, I've been with it basically ever since then. I got excited about it in its early days. I stayed on. It's given me some great opportunities, but I don't think it got as big as I thought it would. I know a lot of enterprises adopted it, but I think in general, it's not it's it's still a niche and and i think that it is isn't i don't i don't get the sense that node's growing outside of of um cloud functions where i think that's actually where where node is really shining right now is in mm -hmm. cloud functions and lambda functions and so i i don't think it's really going away but i think node as sort of this big application layer for all your apis i, I think it's actually kind of that part that that part of node is is kind of going away now um, and maybe getting replaced with cloud functions or Golang and sort of different things to meet different use cases. Yeah. Well, and a lot of the cloud functions, like I've heard rumors that um, AWS is going to add a couple of languages. Um, I know that um, Azure supports a number of languages with Azure functions and things like that. So yeah, it's it's interesting to see where where people are plugging it in now that it's kind of settled a little bit and stabilized a bit. Right. So, you know, people understand what it's good at and can start to say, okay, this technology here and that technology there, like you said. So some of the stuff is going back to Golang or whatever, but mm -hmm. you know, a, a lot of the rest of it, you know, where it's, it's really done well, people are happy to use it. Yeah, it works. It works. It works well. Um, I'll, I'll just mention, you know, I've been, I've been with PayPal five years, right. And we've been focused mm -hmm. on, Basically, when I started there, it was all about node adoption, getting the Java developers ready to write Node.js application. Yeah. So because I'd had, you know, I mean, it's always silly. Like at the time, I seemed like I've been doing this forever. I've been like three years doing JavaScript or right. doing Node.js. But somehow I, I, I was like, you know, the, 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 the wise expert coming in, you know, training people. So right. I had a lot of, you know, I, I was there just because I had a few more years experience in, in Node helping bring people on board with Node, getting them excited, helping them learn best practices, how callbacks work, how you know asynchronous communication works in Node. And so we did all this training. We got everyone excited about Node. We built a lot of our uh, frontier APIs and, and web stack in Node. And now 
I, now I see a lot of the, the flaws in that. And, you know, I know this isn't that as much of a technical podcast as a career podcast, but it's interesting, I guess, f- for my career to say, I spent the last five years driving node adoption. And this last year I started thinking, is this really where we want to keep investing or do we want to look at Golang or do we want to mm-hmm. look at uh, some other paradigms because there are flaws in this. So I, I guess, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out, uh, for a while I felt like, well, I'm only good at this one thing. You know, I have a narrow niche that I'm good at. Uh, and now I'm starting to think, well, yeah, that's fine. I can learn new things too. And, and, and so maybe Node isn't the next thing that I work on. You know, maybe it's going to be something else. What, what I was proud of was working on early Node.js stuff at Ida TV. It was so new. We were breaking everything. We were constantly finding bugs. And that was, that was a, just a, a great time for learning how all this stuff went. Since then, though, it's, it's more about um, you know, open source projects like working on ESLint and Standard and trying to find ways to – so much of what the work I've done is, is trying to find ways to help developers who are unsure of how to do things correctly, help them do it correctly. So mm-hmm. nothing – not like I built some amazing project that was so fancy. It was just more uh, boring stuff, like how to do Node at the enterprise well is, is kind right. of the stuff that I'm more proud of. Awesome. So what are you working on these days? <coughs> well, I'm glad you asked. So for the last uh, about three, four months, I've been really looking, and really the last year I've been thinking about where do we go now? You know, the, our stack yeah. at PayPal is all about uh, these fairly heavy frontier Node.js apps that act as sort of an API layer for our UI as well as, you know, rendering stuff. And now we're moving to, you know, we've, we've moved most of our apps to React. And so we realize we don't need uh, such a heavy node layer we can simplify things quite a bit and the the way that i've been looking at it is i still find node kind of kind of buggy and i'd love to move um move off of node in a lot of cases and move towards something like the jam stack the gatsby stack mm-hmm. where you basically have um all your assets like all your web pages served up from a cdn very close to your customers which is which results in extremely fast page load times and then, you know, from, from those apps living on, on the CDN or on customers' devices in a progressive web app, hitting, you know, APIs. And maybe those APIs are Node. Maybe they're written in Go. Maybe they're in a cloud function. It doesn't really matter. But my thing lately has actually been trying to simplify the, and, and reduce our reliance on Node for things like rendering, which it's not super good at. And, and I think if we, if we stick the rendering back to the devices, you know, put the HTML at the CDN, things like that, I think we can have more stable systems, faster customer experiences and things like that. So that's what I've been working on, trying to, trying to figure out how we could adopt Gatsby or similar patterns inside of PayPal. Gotcha. Yeah, I've, I've really been uh, excited about the Jamstack. And uh, between you and me and everybody else listening, we have an episode coming out on the Jamstack, I think next week as we record this, which will be this week as, as it comes out. So keep an eye out for that. <clears throat> And uh, I've gotten really excited about it as well. I've been playing with Elevendy, but I've been also looking at uh, Nuxt, Next, Gatsby. Yeah, there are so ones. many things. I sort of yeah. picked Gatsby. We, we looked also at Next.js. Um, for what we're doing, it looks like Gatsby might be a better fit, though. Yeah. It was mainly, it's mainly sold for static sites, and obviously everything we do at PayPal is pretty much dynamic except for our marketing pages. And so we've done a little bit of – twisting and, and shoving to try and get it to work, but hoping to have something to announce there. Um, I'm giving a talk at QCon in March uh, in London about some of the work we're doing. So if you're interested, check that out. Awesome. Well, and like I said, we had a long discussion about the difference between necessarily like a regular static site and Jamstack site. So yeah. when you may be doing 
may actually fit into what, what Jamstack is. You might just be doing a few unconventional things, but yeah. Exactly. I, I think, I think we're sort of all together as a community stumbling on the next set of best practices. We mm-hmm. haven't exactly arrived at the terminology and exactly what we want to call it yet, but uh, it's certainly, it's certainly exciting. I always love being yeah. part of the next uh, up and coming thing. So anyway, yeah. it's been fabulous talking to you and uh, I'm grateful for, for your time and hope everyone interested in learning JavaScript and making this career uh, finds a lot of joy and happiness in doing it. Yep, absolutely. And I'm excited to see just what you come up with because um, solving the problems that aren't solved, that's how our field advances. Absolutely. So real quick, do you have some picks for us? Some pick? I don't have any picks. I mean, use Gatsby. That's my tech pick. Um, use Netlify. That's my, my web hosting pick. What other kind of picks? Do you want books? Movies? Whatever. Books, movies. Sure. Spider-Man. Movies, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I like that. My favorite uh, record of the year was uh, this, this record called Baydream by the band Culture Abuse. Really cool band uh, from California. And uh, that's, that's it for me at the moment. All right. Well, I'm going to do some picks that are a little more indicative of how my week went. Um, my first pick is Modern Medicine and Antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's been quite the week. Um, I actually drove down to CES, drove back early because I was just so, so, so sick. Um, a few other picks. Um, currently, I'm talking to Jamin sitting in my regular office chair. I'm sitting on a per- new purple pad that I just bought um, on that chair, and I'm, I'm really cool. digging that. Um, sometimes I like sitting on it, sometimes I don't. It just depends on what I feel like. But on top of that, I'm also sitting on an inflatable donut pillow, like the $4 Ooh. kind you get on at Walmart. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's where my distress has been the last uh, couple of weeks. So um, anyway, um, but yeah, so I don't have any big picks cause I just barely survived the last week. So, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, one other thing I do want to throw out there since you mentioned Jamstack, um, I have been working on migrating devchat.tv over to um, a static site and, cool. and doing, you know, some of the JavaScripty stuff to pull in the other things that I want. Um, but I'm looking for con- contributors because it turns out that uh, several of the shows at some point lost their show notes. I think it was when I transitioned to WordPress and I think I missed it. But the other system no longer exists. I think I might still have the database somewhere, maybe. Anyway, um, so uh, I've opened things up for coaching. So if you do show notes for three episodes or tags for five, then um, I will do an hour of coaching with you. And that's like, my coaching rate's like 500 bucks an hour. So um, just to give people an idea, uh, I'm really hard to book for coaching. So, and it's just because I've got all the other things going on with the podcast. So if you're interested in that, that's a good way to get an hour's worth of coaching. So if you're trying to start a podcast or get your career started or anything like that, um, I am doing that. Um, and you can find that at devchat.tv slash cmaxw slash uh, devchat dash 11 um, Jamin, where do people find you online? Uh, you, you can find me on Twitter, usually twitter.com slash xjaymondx or uh, www.jaymond.com. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming, Jamin. Oh, it was, it was a great pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We will talk to everybody next week. Doopity zoop. Yep. <laughs> 
Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.